Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up, and welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who has the day off. The Pelicans arrived back home yesterday after staying overnight in Portland after their game on Saturday night. I would say a pretty Successful road trip for the Pelicans. They go 2-1 and one and gain two games on the Thunder, who lost yesterday to the Rockets. The loss for the Pelicans came against the Trailblazers Saturday night. 99-90, a back-and-forth game. New Orleans came out firing early, grabbing a 10-point lead in the first. Unfortunately, in the third, though, they had to claw their way back from a double-digit deficit of their own. And at the end of the game, it was 85-85. to and the Blazers finish off the game on a 14-5 run, a 10-0 run within that run. And the Pelicans again fall, fell by nine to the Portland Trail Blazers. After the game, here's head coach Monty Williams talking with Sean Kelly. Well, coach, certainly a tough finish to this game tonight. Yeah, we um, got ourselves back into it, uh, went up by four, and um, just couldn't sustain it. And uh, even when it was, I think it was 85-85, gave up a tough three to Nicholas, and then we fouled the next time down and gave up three free throws and just couldn't regroup after that. But um, we've had games like that before where we've been able to close it out. And tonight we just we didn't have um, enough on the offensive end. I mean, we only scored 90 points, only got to the free throw line uh, 10 times. And um, they, in a physical game like that, they only had nine fouls called against them. So that's a story for another day. But um, just it's, it was a tough offensive night for us. I don't want to lead you down that path, but the free throws do stand out, yeah. and, and the rebounding too, Coach. Well, their offensive rebounding, uh, you know, they had 18, and uh, their bench had 31 points in the first half. So those two things really hurt us. Uh, we kept giving up second uh, possessions, extra possessions, to a team that doesn't need anymore. I mean, they didn't shoot the ball uh, great tonight, but they had so many opportunities. I felt like if we could have gotten some of those rebounds like we did in the first quarter, that's where we scored a little bit early in the game. But after that, um, we just couldn't score in the second and fourth quarter. Coach, in the third, you had the furious comeback. You actually, I think, took that lead in the early yeah. fourth. What was sustainable about that comeback, or was it something that 
was going to maybe disappear against a team we like were that? We were getting stops and rebounds in the third. And then Tyreek and Eric got it going a little bit, and we were playing in transition. Um, our offense was clicking a little bit, but the stops were what helped us. Um, for whatever reason, when we made the shift to our bench, we just couldn't get the, the same effectiveness on offense. Um, our defense wasn't terribly bad tonight. We just couldn't offensively keep it up. Coach, I know the loss is still fresh, yeah. but what will you take away from this three-game West Coast road trip? Well, we went 2-1. and one. Uh, We're still in the fight. Uh, most people thought we would you know, be out of it at this point. You know, I told the guys two weeks ago we had all those injuries and went 0-3 and when we came out West. We go 2-1, and one and we're right back in it. Um, not a lot of games left, but we're right in it. Coach, thanks. Thank you. So still, I would say, a pretty successful road trip, 2-1. and one. The Pelicans are now a half game back with six to go. Both the Pelicans and the Thunder tied in the loss column, which means the Pelicans technically control their own destiny. It'll be very tough, though, for the Pelicans to win every game to end this season. Both teams in action tomorrow as the Pelicans host the Golden State Warriors and the Thunder host the San Antonio Spurs. And the Thunder have not done well in their Southwest Division car wash they've gone through the last three games. They fell starting off to the Dallas Mavericks, then lost to the Grizzlies, and then again the Rockets yesterday, and then they'll round out their Southwest Division car wash against the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow night. Pelicans fans, we need every one of you at the Smoothie King Center, not just for the game tomorrow, but for Friday's game against the Suns. Think of tomorrow as a potential playoff preview. It will need the home court advantage against the best team in the NBA. It would be a playoff preview if the Pelicans make the playoffs. Golden State would be their first round opponent. So a good weekend, I would say, for the Pelicans. And a not-so-good weekend for Anthony Davis and Kentucky Wildcat fans. I had the game on in our Smoothie King Center studio Saturday night, and what a game in Indianapolis. Wisconsin ends Kentucky's perfect season. Still an impressive season for the Wildcats, and those Badgers will face the Blue Devils tonight, the Duke Blue Devils, in the national championship. Uh, the margin, minus one, or a one-point uh, margin is the uh, betting odds for tonight's game, the smallest in, I believe, almost 20 years, so... Uh, no Badgers or Blue Devils on the Pelicans roster, but looking forward to watching that game tonight. That one's on TBS. It's also opening day for Major League Baseball. Last night was opening night as the Cardinals beat the Cubs in Chicago. Not a good start to the season if you're a Cubs fan, but don't worry. Still 161 games to go in the season, and best of luck to your team, whoever you root for this season. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm very excited to have baseball back on um, across the country. I'm going all over the place this morning. We'll also talk golf and NFL draft on today's Black and Blue Report. The Masters Tournament is this weekend in Augusta, Georgia, so why not preview the field with local golfer Kelly Gibson. Played on the PGA Tour for a lot, long time and also has his own foundation, the Kelly Gibson Foundation. We'll talk about both of those things later on. And, of course, we it's never too early to start talking NFL draft. You remember last year we went around the NFL previewing each team's NFL draft. We won't go too far into that. We won't go to every team this year. Saints have picks 13 and 31, so we'll go 1 through 12, and then we'll also go with the Panthers since they're the only other team outside of the NFC South um, not in the top 13 since they won the division. So we'll go to uh, a few other teams, uh, more than a few, but we'll go to a lot of other teams and start previewing this year's NFL draft. That will start on Wednesday as far as team-by-team team goes. Um, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Pat Yazinskis from ESPN.com will come on to preview the Tampa Bay Bucks. But today, we'll get a national perspective on the NFL draft as our good friend Steve Weish from the NFL Network joins us to talk all things NFL draft. So he'll uh, set the set the tone for our draft preview. We're looking forward to that. And again, Kelly Gibson 
Talking Masters. Well, let's get started. We'll talk NFL. Coming up next, Mr. Weish from the NFL Network on the Black and Blue Report. The playoff pushes on as your New Orleans Pelicans fight for the postseason. Join us this Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center for another guys' night out against the Golden State Warriors. This ticket package includes two tickets, four beers, plus we'll throw in two free t-shirts, all for as low as $46. Grab your pals to get on board for guys' night out. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Welcome back to the show. The NFL Draft is a few weeks away, and there is no better person to kick off our NFL Draft preview than Steve Weish from the NFL Network. Steve, hope all is well with you, and uh, can you believe that the NFL Draft is just a few weeks away? Well, it's finally here. It seems like the Combine was already like three months ago. Let's get to the draft. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that time of year. There is no off season, So uh, now I guess hope springs eternal for those teams who figure they're going to find the next great one. Yeah, Steve, a couple of schools still have pro days this week, including Florida. FSU's was last Tuesday, and, of course, everyone had their eye on Jameis Winston. Watching Winston, how do you think he did on his pro day? He did fine. You know, there, there's an old saying, and it's why the Teddy Bridgewater pro day was so huge. And the saying is, when does a quarterback have a bad pro day? Right. Remember, Terry Bridgewater had one, and it was so unique because these pro days for quarterbacks are all scripted. They're throwing to receivers that they've been working with for weeks, and they're typically indoors or in a very climate-controlled situation outdoors where there's no wind or rain. So, you know, that again, you don't have a good pro day. That's more of an issue. So Jameis Winston was fine. I don't think anyone was surprised. Um, but it does. What it does do is, you know, teams that are interested, the night before or afterwards, they'll they'll meet with them. They'll take him to dinner. They'll put him on the whiteboard. They'll ask him a lot of questions. They'll give him the playbook um, and see if he can memorize some plays. So th- these pro days absolutely serve a purpose, and, and they also serve the eye test. You know, is a guy bigger? Is a guy faster? Is he, is, he, is he smaller? Has he lost weight? So they do serve a purpose, even though a lot of these things seem very academic, so to speak, in terms of, okay, we know what we have. All he did was put a period at the end of the sentence. Good point. That's kind of what I wanted to get to in my next question about how much these NFL teams really use the pro days as a a measuring stick because you brought up Teddy Bridgewater, didn't have a great pro day, turned out to have a pretty good rookie season. Jamarcus Russell, who everyone thought had a great pro day, number one overall pick, turned out to be a bust. How much can we take away from these pro days as a fan or as a scout? I mean, that, that's a great thing. A lot of it depends on positions, too. A lot of it um, for some guys. And let's use Joe Hayden, for an example, the Browns corner. From a couple of years ago, he came into the combine, a high prospect, ran a very pedestrian 40, and everyone was like, oh, wow, okay, we've we got to rethink this. Let's go back and watch the tape because he looks fast on tape. And he comes back to the pro day and runs a good 40. Um, 
so you know it helps some guys depending on the position. Um, if it's one of these tweener, um, either offensive linemen who people don't know if they're a guard or a tackle, or if it's an outside linebacker defensive end and they can't decide if he fits into a three-four scheme, they can put players through certain drills that they're not put through at the combine. And again, some of these off-field discussions and things like that. And, and, you know, one thing that a lot of personnel guys do is they watch how they interact with their teammates Mm -hmm. uh, at these pro days or how they interact with a lot of folks who are there. A lot of uh, schools will sometimes have recruits there or they're redshirt freshmen or something. So they say, hey, look, this is you in a couple years. How players interact. So that's equally as important as to how they perform, um, you know, on, on the field as well. But there's a lot of things they take into account. You know, does a guy get his fitness better? Has he let his fitness go um, after the combine? So there, there's a lot of things that, that these pro days, you know, in terms of purposes that they serve, more, you know, in terms of uh, much more than just the on-field you know, product that they witness. I'm glad you mentioned off the field as well. P.J. Williams, defensive back for Florida State, was arrested early Friday morning with a charge with DWI. Some had him as a first-round draft pick. Will you see, given that his given last year was not the greatest off the field for the NFL, do you see his draft uh, stock falling um, after his arrest? Really depends on the risk a team wants to take. Some mm-hmm. teams are going to put a lot more weight into the actual nature of the crime. He can come into the league under the program that involves, you know, the the, the drug program that involves alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people also is going to question his judgment. Like, what right. are you doing? You know, you got to see the draft coming up. I remember a couple of years ago, Alex Boone. He was a uh, he was a big time prospect, offensive lineman out of Ohio State. He's now having a, a successful career with the 49ers. Um, but he had this kind of drunken fit. Uh, in a parking lot uh, in California, a week or two before the combine, gets arrested for that, blew his draft stock out of water because people did some research and they found that he had a couple other drinking episodes. Mm-hmm. So now people are going to go back and, and do their homework on this kid. Okay, hey, this is maybe something we didn't expect. He had a DUI here. Let's go back in his history and see if he's got some other episodes where either poor judgment or alcohol-related behavior um, and that could set him back more so than the actual incident itself. If this was a you know the first time offense or something completely out of the ordinary. You know, then people say, okay, he was a he was a young kid who made a mistake. But if they find that this also leads to you know a trail of breadcrumbs, so to speak, that leads to a bigger issue, um, then then you are going to see him slip. Good point there, Steve. Um, I want to go back to Winston and Mariota just for a second. Do you see them being the first two players drafted, or do you think Mariota slides to say maybe the Jets at six? He could slide. Um, I frankly don't see how Tennessee can pass on him um, if they hold on to the number two pick because they just don't have a quarterback. And, and you know, either you're you know you feel that unless they, they feel that comfortable with Zach Mettenberger, um, they're running the risk. And quarterbacks are so valuable. I mean, we see the teams. You know, look at a team like Buffalo. They're stacked, but you just don't know how good they're going to be because they're quarterback questions. So I, I, I don't see how Tennessee could pass on them, but they, that's just me. They, they very well could because that's a team that's devoid of talent in so many areas. But to pass on a potential franchise quarterback, you know, that, that's a big risk. And then, like you mentioned, Washington at five is the next intriguing prospect for Marcus Mariota. Uh-huh. Um, do they go with him? 
you know, with RG3 there after signing Colt McCoy, and there's Kirk Cousins there as well. Then there's the Jets at six, and then once he gets past six, then everything's open. You got Cleveland at 12 um, that could go there. You could have Philadelphia with Chip Kelly, no matter what he says about not trading Sam Bradford, as Mariota starts to slip. Right. Um, you have to think they're going to be in play as well. So there, there's intriguing options, but I personally don't think that Tennessee can can pass on it with all of the issues that they have in trying to get back on the winning track. Do you see any team trying to make a huge jump to try to get Mariota there at two? No. no. I, I mean, not unless there's a bigger trade involved. I'm not buying the Phillip Rivers to Tennessee trade. I've talked to some people in the league. They Phillip Rivers is going nowhere, staying in San Diego. Um so, no, I don't see any team, especially after what happened in terms of what Washington gave up to get up to number two to get RG3, yeah. that type of ransom. I mean, you can see when it doesn't work, as mm-hmm. we're seeing in Washington, it can really bankrupt your ability to acquire talent. Good point there. The Saints will be very busy in the first round. Two picks, 13 and 31. What possessions, positions excuse me, do you see the Saints addressing in the first round? Well, I think the Saints are in prime position with those five picks in three rounds to, to be major, major players in terms of trading and things like that. Let's look at the positions. I could see them um, offensive tackle. You know, they, they, they might want to improve. You know, wide receiver, don't know if that's where they go in the first round, but if one of these guys is there, um, maybe the kid from Louisville is there, and that's what they want to do because they got to get playmakers on the edges. I mean, they seem, you know, by getting younger, you know, that that's a position they could go. They definitely need to strengthen the interior of the offensive line a little bit. Um, defensively, uh, a lot of ways they're fine in the secondary. At some point, they've got to get some inside linebackers, mm-hmm. you know, with, with loss and being gone. They've got to get a little more, you know, a little tougher there, but they're not going to go there with the first-round picks. So I think in the first round, you look at the value positions. You look at the offensive line, look at a playmaker, a wide receiver if one is there or maybe a pass rusher if one is there. So, so I think that's kind of, you know, where, you know, where you, the value. And then at the back end, I mean, that, 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 second, that second pick, that's going to be where teams are going to be trying to trade into that pick to come up and get a player. So, I, I, you know, if, if the Saints hang on to it, then maybe that's where they can get a luxury pick like a skill position player. But that, that's going to be one that a lot of teams are going to try and get at. Yeah, should be very interesting. Lots of stuff goes on on NFL Draft Day, and I'm very excited that's coming around the corner. That's Steve Weiss from the NFL Network kicking off our draft preview. Steve, thanks as always for the time, and I'm sure we'll talk closer to the draft. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to golf. Kelly Gibson helps me preview the Masters. Once again, you stayed longer and spent more money gambling than you planned. You told yourself it would never happen again, but it has. Now you have to tell your family you lost money gambling. If you or a family member has a gambling problem, treatment services are available for Louisiana residents at no cost. Call now. It's free and confidential. 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-STOP. A message from the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals Office of Behavioral Health. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion. 
because we know we can save you some money. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to get your seats now and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, yes, this is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, but every now and then we'd like to turn to a different sport, and this week is the Masters, and to help us preview that, we welcome in New Orleans native and uh, former PGA golfer Kelly Gibson. Kelly, good to have you on this morning. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's that time of the year to start talking about golf. Absolutely, and to kick it off, the Masters is this weekend. What is it about the Masters, Kelly, that is just so fascinating and everyone just turns their attention to? Well, it's just, it's, uh, it's a tradition. It's a, it's a place that has remarkable beauty. Um, it has rich, rich history. And the way the golf course is laid out, it seems to produce drama almost every year. Um, the last nine holes, and I think that's, what really attracts the viewers to watch the telecast. And, you know, I, I never had the opportunity to play there. Unfortunately, in my career, I missed out um, quite a few times by a shot or two or was had a chance and, and just barely missed out. But I did win an award there in 2006 um, for things that uh, my foundation had done after Katrina. And I got to go see it. Um, and it's just... It's like going to a sacred place is the best way I can describe it. it it's remarkable. It's beautiful. And, and, and everybody just loves the place. Absolutely. And Kelly, you've, uh, you've played in also other U.S. Uh, major championships, including the U.S. Open. What is it like, that, that mindset going into a major championship? Well, you know, this, this major is a little bit different um, than, than the Open. You have to have sort of a different mindset for each one. Uh, U.S. Open, you got to get the ball in the fairway. Um, at, at the at the PGA, they move it around from site to site, and it, it sometimes it's wide fairways like Valhalla's, and sometimes it's windy courses like Whistling Strait. Uh, the British Open, uh, weather's always an issue, and then you have different style of golf courses. But at Augusta, it's the same golf course every year, pretty much set up the same way. The greens are going to be fast and very undulating. Um, the, they, the players know where the pin placements are going to be uh, traditionally, so they'll know which shot selections they're going to have going into the round. But what, what has to happen um, at Augusta is the players feel the, the, the feel that they have in their hands, the, the controlling of their breathing, their heartbeat, their creativity. The, the artistry in the player really has to come out at the Masters more than, you know, sort of the stoic mechanical player at a U.S. Open. And so that's why you see guys like Seve Ballesteros and Jose Olafabal have had success in, in the past history, Ben Crenshaw, who's going to be playing his last Masters this year. Those were your, your artistic-type players. And Augusta lends itself because of the greens, the speed of the greens, the creative shots you get to play around the greens, 
with the short game, uh, people like Raymond Floyd, people who had ridiculous short games, have always done well at the Masters. Even those guys, like you mentioned, that play it every year, um, does it take a little bit to kind of get used to it, even though it is the same course? You say like the first nine holes, does it take a little bit for guys, even who have been there before, to get settled in? Well, I, I think, you know, you always hear people, when when you're not nervous, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And so even players like Tiger Woods and Rory will be nervous because uh, you, if you don't have that adrenaline pop to get your mind to focus, then you're not dialed in. There's something wrong. You're lacking confidence. You're not ready to go. You're not ready to go challenge. You're not ready to take on the best players in the world. So you, you have that that adrenaline kick on the first day, or you have it on Sunday. Um, when you're when you're starting out of the tournament, trying to get in contention, grab the lead and then hold the lead, or you're making a charge and you're coming down the back stretch and you got an opportunity to win a tournament. You want that nervousness. You want that. You want that excitement. The players know what the golf course is going to present, and they got to be in the mindset to be able to take on the challenge and hit the shots. Um, with the televisions going, with massive crowds. I mean, probably Augusta has to actually turn people away. Um, I, I would imagine that, you know, I don't know what the real number is on what they get for crowds each day, but mm-hmm. I've been there probably six times entertaining people, and I can tell you that it's, oh, man, it's got to be forty to 75,000 people um, in the practice rounds and I would imagine it's, they probably reel it into about 40,000 people during a tournament. Wow. It's just an amazing event. Yeah, that's unbelievable. You mentioned Tiger Woods. You mentioned Rory McIlroy. I'll get to Rory in a second. But Tiger Woods hasn't won a major, I believe, since 08. Um, will play in this weekend's Masters. Uh, do you see him having a chance to win it? What, what's been going on? Is Do you think it's more mental with him at this point, or is it both mental and physical? Well, but let me start by saying I, I really, I really would like to see him win um, because he, he's just, you know, it, it's a shame that we're even having this conversation because you know if he's not the best player to ever play the game, and that argument's always going to be there because if you look at Nicholas's record, even his second places finishes in the majors were phenomenal mm-hmm. compared to how many he won. But Tiger's definitely the second best player. <laughs> to ever play the game. So I would like to see him win. Um, you know, as far as what's going on with his game, I, I think it's a combination of a number of things. Um, first and foremost, he's, he just has been injured. Um, I don't know that a lot of his injuries are, are things he could have played through. I know that uh, for me personally, I played through a lot of injuries, just small things. But you know, I think right now, I think his heart's broken a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think his when you get his age, and there's a transition in the in the body when you get older. Um, I think I think he's 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 struggled with some decisions that he's made, and I think it's lent itself to uh, second guessing himself, and doubt has created into his mind. Um, and that's creating some problems with what decisions does he make, with what swing to go with, and what to work on. And he seems lost. And so when I say that his heart's broken, um, he's struggling with it. And once that happens, you, you see some of the issues that he had earlier in this year with the chipping, which I can personally vouch for. 
mm-hmm. um, pretty much ended my career, is very difficult. Once you fall into the trap of second-guessing yourself on which type of technique to use, um, it becomes very difficult. I, For the sake of the game, I would love to see him rebound, recover from that, and have a few more good years just so that he can present a rivalry for Rory and some of the next generation of golfers. Jordan Spieth, the Ricky Fowlers, some of the young kids that are having success. I agree. Would love to see Tiger Woods in contention this weekend, too, at the Masters. Talking golf with Kelly Gibson here on the Black and Blue Report. I want to go to Rory for a little bit. He's been in the news a little bit based on his workout regimen and Nick Faldo talking about how Rory shouldn't be lifting as much weights. Um, What's your thought on a workout regimen as far as a golfer is concerned? Well, I think there's a fine line. I don't don't think that getting bulked up is probably um, necessary. If you look at the history of the game, uh, some of the great players in the past have been uh, very good athletes. I think it's important. I can tell you that, you know, I'm only relating my experience to you that I was really strong physically. I had a lot of endurance. I led the tour two years in a row in tournaments played. But that was out of necessity for me because I had to keep my job. Mm-hmm. These guys have the luxury of having trainers with them 24-7. They've got nutritionists. They have massage therapists. And I think that provides uh, for an amazing team to get you focused um, if, if they're working together properly. I, I don't know about the lifting the weights. I think there can always be a, a point of diminishing returns. And I think that core stability, um, endurance, uh, I think having a feeling of being able to be light on the golf course, you don't want to be heavy, um, that's important. I don't know. I'm not enough of a person who knows whether he needs to add muscle to his arms. I've always believed that jump roping and explosion drills did the trick for me. Um, so I don't know what he's trying to accomplish by lifting a lot of weights. I haven't seen his workout routine. I've seen some of the commercial bits and some of the stuff on the Internet. Mm-hmm. But I can, I can tell you that I think endurance, flexibility, and speed are the most important things. I, and brute strength, I'm not sure that that always is uh, something that's done well with golf. Okay, good to know. Also, let's focus on Bubba Watson, defending Masters champion. He's also a former Zurich Classic champion. What do you like about Bubba Watson's game? You know, Bubba's just a, the ultimate a creative athlete. He uh, he has one of the most unique imaginations that has ever played the game. If uh, I can tell you the, the few times uh, early in my his career, when I first saw him play, I was just in complete awe. I was a I was a long hitter. That was my strength um, back in the 90s. And I'm thinking early 2000s when I first saw him hit for the first time, I think the first ball, he was playing in the group behind me. I had exited the green. It was a par four. I had just hit a big drive, probably about 300 yards, and he flew it a solid 50 yards past my ball. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, that, that hasn't happened. And then we played about four more holes, and I was on a 405-yard par four, and he one-hopped the ball into the front bunker. Now, I don't know, he, he cut the dog leg, so just imagine this was when he was younger. 
he flew at 360 or 370 yards. That's like those big guys you see that are six five. I mean, he's six something. Yeah. He he's an athletic John Daly. So in my generation, John Daly was a one one of a kind generational long baller, and Bubba is a long baller who has great imagination with his wedges and and his shot making, and he has enough skill with his putter to win Augusta. And the golf course sets up beautifully for him because he's so long that he can hit it really high, and he, he can hit he can cut the dog legs with his shot making, and then once he cuts the dog legs on the par fives, he's got medium, sometimes even short irons into the par fives, which is a huge advantage, and that's why he's done so well. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Who do you like in this year's Masters? If you can pick one, I know it's really tough, but uh, who do you like or maybe a couple of people you like to win it this weekend? Well, there's probably about five guys that are playing well. Jordan Spieth, a young player who finished second there last year. I mean, he, he played well this past two weeks. Um, he, he's got a lot of gain. He's, what, 21 years old. Um, he, he was there last year. I, I don't know if he's ready to step up. I would love to see Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, make a nice comeback. You know, he had some personal issues last year. I'd love to see him recover. He's one of those guys that is a gifted athlete who's who's really, really long off the tee but has all the other components when he gets dialed in. He can putt good. He, he's got enough short game. I would, like, I would like to see him get in because he's got the potential to hit shots that a lot of players just don't hit. Um, I would love to see Tiger, and of course, Rory makes for an interesting story. You know, he's he's the Masters away from completing the Grand Slam. Yeah. There's a lot of hype with commercials and the PR with Bose and with Nike. I'm not sure that that's the best thing for him, mm-hmm. but maybe he's mentally strong enough that he, you know, obviously he's mentally strong enough to, to get through it. I would just like to see him knock it out. Um, I would love to see it come down the wire uh, with, with four of those guys and then throw in throw him maybe an older guy just to give some contrast, you know, and, yeah. and I don't know who that might be. Uh, um, we could pick a few a few of the older guys who, who traditionally played well and, and throw it in there just to give the telecast something to look at. Absolutely. Good stuff there. And I can't let you go without talking about your foundation, the Kelly Gibson Foundation. And you have a big event coming up this weekend, don't you? Yeah, we do. We're, we're right in the middle. We, we had a big, big event this past weekend. Um, we first time ever we were uh, well. It's actually second time we competed in the Crest City Classic. Our foundation got a hundred runners. We partnered with Youth Run NOLA, and we were very successful in our fundraising efforts, um, competing as a charity race team. And then this weekend uh, is traditionally our our night of jazz, which is uh, our sponsor party, our our supporters party. We do it at Manning's Restaurant, and we partner with uh, Michelob Ultra in. Uh, Harris, New Orleans, and it's a it's a great event. It's a lot of people in New Orleans who really like this time of the year. And then on Saturday morning, we have a golf tournament that is completely sold out already. Um, that we have at TPC, and it's the last event prior to the, the Zurich Classic. So as soon as we finish, they're going to shut the golf course down um, and then start preparing it for the Zurich Classic, which is just two weeks away. So we're really excited. April's the month that everybody starts talking about golf, and it's always a great time of the year for me and, and for our foundation. We'll keep up the great work with your foundation and a really great preview of the Masters from Kelly Gibson today. I really appreciate it, and um, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Masters, and also enjoy your big tournament this weekend. 
thank you very much, and you guys have a great year. Good luck with the draft. Appreciate it. Well, oh, well, quick. How about what are your thoughts on the draft? What, what do you think the Saints, what positions do you think the Saints will need to take? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I like to see them take the high character guys. I like to see them, you know, build the championship chemistry. And I think they've got enough players in, in place to always be good. Uh, you got you got one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. You've got a great head coach, and general manager, and Mickey Loomis. So um, best player available. When, when they get the select, um, you know, I think they need one or two more uh, speed rushers, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting some of the quarterbacks on the ground faster might help them on defense. And then uh, getting the, getting some younger wide receivers, I guess. I don't know, on offense, maybe an offensive lineman. Hey, have I covered every position yet? No, not yet, <laughs> but uh, you're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> getting there. No, you know, best best available player with the high character. I like it. I like it. That's Kelly Gibson, former PGA golfer and uh, part of the Kelly Gibson Foundation. Kelly, uh, appreciate the time again and have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Y'all have a good day. Yep. When we come back, I'll wrap things up on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Racing fans, you won't want to miss the Professional Drag Racers Association Cajun Nationals Pro Mod at Thunder Road Raceway Park in Gilliam, Louisiana, just outside of Shreveport. This exciting event runs April 30th through May 2nd. For more information, visit www.racetrrp.com. And while in town, enjoy great gaming action, shopping, food, and nightlife. For additional things to see and do, visit shreveport-bossier.org or call 888-45-VISITS. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Okay, time to wrap things up from Studio B. Big thanks to Steve Weiss from the NFL Network and former PGA golfer Kelly Gibson for coming on today's show. Tomorrow's show will come to you from our Smoothie King Center studios where the Pelicans will take on the Golden State Warriors. Limited tickets are available for that game, and I encourage all fans to come out and support the Pelicans uh, and make tomorrow feel like a playoff game. Keep in mind that the Pelicans make the playoffs. The Warriors will be our first-round opponent, so... Tomorrow should seem like a playoff game. We hope to have every single one of you out there. Again, as the Pelicans take on the Golden State Warriors, and they hop on a plane tomorrow night. And a tough back-to-back as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday, who are battling uh, for the two and three seeds um, in the Western Conference. A very tight Western Conference race, and I have a feeling most of these races will come down to the last game. On tomorrow's show, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, as he has done on every Tuesday, will come on. 
and he'll have a game to preview um, tomorrow. And uh, Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair to conduct that interview. And, of course, you never know who else will stop by. Enjoy some baseball today. Enjoy the College Basketball National Championship tonight. And we'll see you right back here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans tomorrow. Until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. We'll be right back.